The ABC's Word Wizard, the Lord of Language. A word in your ear with Professor Raleigh Sussex. It's that time of the day, the ABC's Word Wizard, Professor Raleigh Sussex, OAM. He's an emeritus professor from the School of Languages and Cultures at the University of Queensland, and he is here, willing and able to talk to you about words, language and linguistics. one 612 that's the phone number that you can call, one 612 Pronunciation part two this week, and specifically the Australian pronunciation of specific words and phrases. And who do you think is the best example of a speaker of English in Australia? Well, you'd have to top my list, Professor. Good afternoon. Hi, Kat. Um, well, actually, I'm, I'm a bit of a, a mongrel hybrid because I was born in Melbourne, then I lived in New Zealand for 12 years, and I lived in England for six. I've lived in Europe at various times, and my accent isn't true Australian proper. Uh, I do have one favourite person to nominate at the end of the program, but it's a really interesting question because when I was at school, we, people used to go to elocution and learn how to pronounce their words properly. And this is called orthoepy, O-R-T-H-O-E-P-Y. It's the study of correct pronunciation. And uh, particularly in my parents' generation, the way you speak was a sign of your education and class. And, uh, you know, you... you you tried very hard to make sure that you gave the right impression. Nowadays, uh, Australian English is here. We're no longer bothered by British English in the background the way we were. But I can remember at school one kid being told off for slovenly pronunciation. Um, this, was, this was a really bad thing. Uh, but, you know, if we get things wrong, people do, particularly with radio people, I said pronunciation by mistake about 10 years ago, and the phone just about melted. It was terrible. <laughs> yes. Um, and, uh, because, you know, mind and tongue got out of synchronization, which they do. But you might remember, I think it was yesterday, President Trump was uh, signing some papers about national parks, and he forgot how to say Yosemite, and he said Yosemite. And they're not letting him forget that at all. It's, uh, you know, your, your ability to be uh, a, a correct user of language is very important. The question is, of course, what is correct? Do you say dance or dance? Now, in South Australia, they tend to say dance. And some careful educated speakers in Australia say dance. Everybody else says dance. And that's the way we talk. But it's one of the things which is a kind of marker of where you are on the scale of, of speech. Well, this is interesting. So we've got some uh, insight from your listeners this afternoon about the speakers of English in Australia they like most. And I'm really looking forward to your mm -hmm. big reveal at the end, Professor. Let's begin with Stu in Mitchelton. Stu, who do you think talks right? Well, I was going to suggest Saul Eslake, who's a commentator on ABC often, uh, a finance commentator. He's certainly much better than me, and he has... A bit of a different way of speaking, but it's absolutely clear. Clear. And I think clarity is key here, is it, Rolly? I mean, is this why it, it is. still is important to pronounce things properly? Yeah, you know, uh, if, if, you, if you sound like somebody who's just come in from the pub, you, you don't actually sound very, very impressive. But it's a mixture, actually, of enunciation, which is how you produce the sounds, and also, I think, quality of voice. There are some people who've got a really agreeable voice to listen to, and there are others who sound, you know, like Jeannie Little, 
It's a very, very deliberately nasal, edgy sort of sound, which isn't so nice. So I, I think I would agree, Solace Lake is good. I, I'm curious to see what the other listeners have got. one three hundred triple two six twelve is the phone number. I've always liked a Margaret Throsby and Geraldine Duke. Oh, yes. I think they oh, yes. are wonderful speakers of Australian English. Uh, Alan in Wynnum, have you got a favourite speaker or is it a word that you'd like to discuss with the professor? Hello. Oh, hi there. How are you? Good, thank um, you. Now, look, I wanted to just throw something in with the pronunciation, uh, regional pronunciations. Yes. Um, uh, I lived down in Tassie for about 12 years. There's a couple down there that people use, not all that commonly, and it's mainly the old people. But um, the thing you wash your clothes in, they call that a tro, not a trough. And um, a number of them, the thing above the fireplace, they call it a chimney. A chimney. Well, that's a trick, isn't it? Regional variations, Rolly. How yes. does that factor in? Well, um, in a place like England, where people live in, lived in villages and until about 1800 and something, you didn't usually travel more than about 20 miles from your place of birth. And you married locally so that the local habits of speech just reinforced themselves. And that's how dialects came about. Now, in Australia, we never had that. And in 1851, we got the gold rush and we became a nation of people moving around. So the bits of language in Australia that are distinctive, there's a little bit of vowels in South Australia, you know, the dance thing I talked about, but mostly it's words. Um, for example, in, in Queensland, a port is where the ships go and what you drink on Sundays, but it's also a little case you take to school, which is not known in the southern states, um, certainly not in Victoria. And um, in Darwin, thongs are called getters, which is actually a Japanese word. And we, th this is really the only way we can tell people's origins. The, the much bigger differences in Australia are, is it ethnic English or not, is it indigenous English or not, and something about your education as well. Those are the things which make language different, not geography. Hmm. But the, the Tassie ones, yes, a tro is certainly, it's very common up the east coast of Tassie, for T-R-O-U-G-H, and the chimney is an old cockney one which has taken root. Um, I also noted in Tassie, by the way, words like a rumman. Uh, you say that someone's a rumman, meaning they're a, a slightly odd person, rum one. They have a thing called a man fern, which is a particular sort of fern. And uh, they have rivulets, which are gazetted little rivers or streams, which aren't known anywhere else in Australia, as far as I know. Well observed, Alan. Thank you very much. Tom on the Gold Coast has a nomination for the best speaker of English in Australia. Hello, sir. <laughs> Good afternoon. How are you? Well, oh, you sound lovely, so maybe you're on my list now. Hello. Who do you think does it properly? <laughs> yeah, I've been told I've got a face for radio. <laughs> um, look, I don't think you can go past Mr. Golden Tonsils, John Laws. Ah. Yes. Yeah. Rolly, what school of yes. speech would Lawsy come from? Uh, he, he was, I think, the, the, the fluent um, upper end of commercial broadcasting. He was the person who really established talkback radio in Australia and had this marvellous, smooth kind of flow um, and, and was, was famous for it, and I think rightly so. Uh, I didn't always agree with what he said, but I listened to how he presented it with pleasure. Thank you, Tom. John in Cairns has another few names to add to the list. G'day. How are you going, Kath and, and Rolly? I used to think Jim Maxwell was pretty good on the radio. Mm -hmm. He was very literate, 
But then I was watching Li Lin Chin on the TV, and I thought, you can almost blind read her lips. Yes. Li Lin, of course, is Singapore Chinese with a magically educated British accent. Um, it's called RP, Received Pronunciation. But she was, I think, the only person on Australian media in the news and TV, uh, news and current affairs, who was actually speaking in a British accent. Now, when I was a kid, it was almost necessary to have a British accent if you wanted to read the news, particularly on the ABC. Um, and this was a, a, a kind of it got you in the door. You, you had to have an educated British pronunciation. Nowadays, that's not the case. And in fact, I left Australia in 56 to live in New Zealand, came back in 74. And when I came back, Australian English had arrived. All of the news was being read by people with beautiful, educated Australian voices. And I really regret I missed the turnover. Ten minutes to two. ABC Radio Brisbane and Gold Coast. Thank you, John in Cairns. I'm Cash. Professor Rolly Sussex is with you. And we're taking a look at pronunciation this afternoon, specifically the speakers of English in Australia who you think hit the nail on the head. Uh, also taking your calls and comments about pronunciation generally. Uh, let's let's move now to Tony in Anala. Uh, Tony, you've got a favourite English speaker in Australia. Who is it? Oh, hang on a ticky. I've got the wrong line for dear Tony. There you are now. Hello, sir. Hello. Hello. It's she. Oh, pardon me. Hello, <laughs> she. Who would you like to nominate? Paul Keating. Oh, Paul. Nice. Okay. What is it about the way that Paul Keating speaks that you think is, is just right? Well, that he's so articulate. He's the most articulate um, speaker, man, person mm -hmm. I've ever heard mm -hmm. he used I mean recalcitrant I didn't know what that meant before he brought it up about the Malaysian president mm -hmm. um, every all of his speeches his humor his wit oh he just is a genius so it's a bit of mm. how you say it but also what you say that gets you across the line Rolly what do you think Yes, and Paul Keating, I, I didn't think he was a great orator. Um, he was a, a very fluent speaker, but he was devastating in his, his quips, you know, a, a shiver looking for a spine to run up and like being flogged with a wet lettuce. Um, th these, these things are, you know, they've gone down in the books as parts of Australian speech, and he was very memorable in, in the house. If you want people who are fluent and elegant i think sir jim killen was a very good speaker and i remember him with a lot of affection um there aren't too many orators in politics at the moment although there are some very effective speakers it's a bit different and you know this is what what is the best speaker is a terribly complicated issue Mm. Much has been made, speaking of politics, about the silver spoon uh, way in oh, which yes. Malcolm Turnbull would speak in comparison to a more everyman yes. blokish approach that Scott Morrison or ScoMo takes, Rolly. Mm. How does that play into that broader shift in what we like to hear in Australia? Some people like to listen to voices like that, and it also applied to, um, certainly to Sir Robert Menzies, who was, remember, warden of the sink ports in England. He had a very British voice when he was talking to the Queen. And also Mountain, uh, Downer, you know, the Downer family in South Australia had very, very educated upper-class South Australian voices. Some people don't like it. Other people like someone like John Howard, who is not projecting that kind of image, but come across as... Concrete, talking to you directly.
So Australians have different ways in which they orient towards the, the voices that they hear. Certainly I agree with you that, that uh, uh, Geraldine Dugan and Margaret Throsby are, are among the most, most elegant, I think, of, of, our, of our users of language. Here, here, ABC Radio Brisbane and Queensland, five minutes to two, news at two o'clock. I'm Kat, Professor Rolly Sussex with you. Uh, let's see if we can fit all of your calls in before we hit news wow. time. Moving on to Elle, who's on the Gold Coast. G'day, Elle. Hello, how are you? Well, thank you. Go ahead. Yes, Rolly, um, I always get very confused. I was wondering if you could help me clear up whether or not I walked past, as in P-A-S-S-E-D, past, P-A-S-T, or I walk past a house. Okay. If you're going past a place, then it's P-A-S-T. Um, but P-A-S-S-E-D is the past tense or past participle of the verb to pass. So, you know, he, he passed my house at a run. That's a verb, right? E-D. Or someone has passed, meaning they've died. And so the E-D goes with verbs and the P-A-S-T is the preposition past. There we go. Clear as clear can be. Thank you, L. Howard at Redland Bay. Hello, Howard. Oh, good afternoon. Um, my point to Rowley is I hear lots of people uh, pronouncing this particular year 2020 and the T at the end of 20 has disappeared. Yeah, it has. Now, when you've got two consonants together in the middle of a word, and Kat was referring to vulnerable earlier on in the program, uh, it's usually the case that the first one falls out. So Arctic becomes Arctic, and vulnerable becomes vulnerable. But when you've got N plus a consonant, like NT in 20, it's the second one that falls out, and it seems only to happen with Ns. And if you think about it, N and T are made with your tongue both pressing against what's called the alveolar ridge. That's this little bony bit behind your teeth. And when you do that, when you've got two similar sounds, the second one seems to become weak and go, gets and falls out. So 20, um, I'm afraid, is the, it's, it's the fast, allegro speech version of 20. You will hear 20 from people speaking carefully, but uh, certainly if you hear people in a hurry, um, even Cat and I at, at extreme speed would probably lose a T. But it would have to be very extreme. I get in trouble all the time for, for getting my teas party instead of party 2020. I'll ah. try extra hard just for you, Howard. Thank you. Uh, Terry in Maryborough. Hello, Terry. Hi, Catherine. Really, uh, really the, the expression so long for goodbye. Where did that come from? Oh, th this, is, this is an old... Um, uh, old uh, valediction when you're saying farewell to someone it'll be so long until I see you again and I think that was the full original version and that's been shortened down just to so long um, just as you know g'day is, 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 is shortened to g'day sort of thing so it is a shortening and it's, it's, it's um, I, I think it's rather nice because you're looking forward to the time when you'll come, come together again so long, Terry. Thank you very much. Uh, finally, this afternoon in Rock and Rockhampton, Barry. Hello, Barry. Go ahead. Oh, good afternoon, Rolly. I love this uh, thing about the breakdown in diplomatic relations between China and Australia, for example, uh, escalating. <laughs> yes, or, instead of escalating. Yes. Or the other um, one is. Uh, the policeman, uh, the police chased uh, the escapee down the escalators at Roma Street Station. 
Wow. Now that one I have not heard. Uh, these are, are, are malapropisms uh, together with a sort of error with the Q in the Q and I will talk about you next week actually. There's a really interesting story about that whether you say for example uh, nude or nude and uh, and whether the U is there or not. It's part of the developing of the language. However, Kat has been getting at me to do a food program. Uh, no, I'll, I'll rephrase that. She has been quietly persuading me to do a food program. And so we will have food words next week. I've been having an absolute ball getting these together. How delicious. Barry, thank you so much. Rounding it out this afternoon, ABC Radio Brisbane and Queensland. Professor Rolly Sussex, your guest, having a word in your ear every Thursday afternoon just after half past one. Time now for your last word, Professor. From Lee Grant, who is an American actress. I've been married to one Marxist and one fascist, and neither one would take the garbage out. <laughs> it's a pleasure and a privilege, sir. Thank you so much for your time. I've enjoyed it. We'll be back next week. Indeed he will. And if you'd like more Rolly Sussex right now, just head to his Facebook page, Rolly Sussex having a word in your ear on Facebook. You can also catch his podcast. Just use the ABC Listen app and look for the word in your ear podcast or search for it from, from wherever it is that you find your podcast. On your radio and online. At home or on the road. This is ABC Radio.